0: Hello and welcome to another teaching from 119 Ministries. Our ministry believes that the whole Bible is true and directly related to our lives today. If you would like to know more about what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. If you enjoy this video, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel by hitting the button down below. We hope you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. Culture can simply be defined as the accepted norms, practices, and beliefs that a certain group or society holds to. Culture develops and changes over time. As one is brought up in a culture, the norms of that culture are ingrained into them. Ways of thinking or ways of doing can simply become tradition because of our culture and background. This raises some questions. What's the culture of the church today? What's accepted simply for the sake of tradition? What is truth? With this in mind, let's ask another question. Is the New Testament the first time the Lord allowed Gentiles to be grafted into Israel? Many might suggest that this is the case, but is that because of tradition or because of truth? Does the church understand that it is part of Israel, or do they consider themselves a separate entity? It doesn't take much digging to find out the truth on this matter. Exodus chapter 12, verse 49. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. This verse is right after God institutes Passover and unleavened bread. So, the law wasn't just for natural born Israel. The Lord allowed the stranger, that is, the non-native born Israelite, to be grafted into Israel and to be counted the same as Israel with the same law. They are even included in the observance of Passover and unleavened bread. The stranger, sojourner, or foreigner is also directly mentioned in the commands to keep the Sabbath, Yom Kippur, Shavuot, and Sukkot. These non native born Israelites were given equal justice as native born Israelites within Israel's court system. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 22. You are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native born. I am Yahweh your God. They were also allowed to participate in worship at the tabernacle in a temple. Numbers chapter 15, verses 15 and 16. The community is to have the same rules for you and for the foreigner residing among you. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You and the foreigner shall be the same before Yahweh. The same laws and regulations will apply both to you and to the foreigner residing among you. Can you think of a New Testament verse that sounds similar? Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Messiah Yeshua. Romans chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This was not a new concept. It was one that had been around for a very long time. As Yahweh stated, you and the sojourner shall be alike before Yahweh. What's being taught in the New Testament is the same as what was taught in the Old Testament. Our Messiah confronted and rebuked the religious culture of the day when He came. What was the culture? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law taught many of these problematic traditions, many of which contradicted the law of God, the Torah. Mark chapter 7 would offer just one of these confrontations between Yeshua and the religious leaders of His day. In the book of Acts, we find that the traditions of those teachers were still around and causing substantial problems even after Yeshua's ascension. Consider the words of Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 28. He said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Nowhere in the law of God will you find that they were not to associate with a foreigner, especially a God-fearing foreigner that had left their old life to become part of Israel. In fact, we find throughout the scriptures that non-Hebrew people often became part of Israel. When Peter spoke about it being unlawful to associate with foreigners, he was referring to an unbiblical tradition of the Pharisees that became commonplace in their society and culture. These traditions were often referred to as the Oral Law, or known today as the Talmud. Ruth was from Moab, a Gentile, Yet we see that she became part of Israel. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. But Ruth said, "Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God." Ruth, together with Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho, who had aided the 12 spies, not only became part of Israel, but is also listed in the lineage of Yeshua in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5, And Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. These women were grafted into Israel long before Romans chapter 11 was ever written. God has always provided for anyone who chooses Him. The same blessings that are for natural Israel in being obedient to God's law are also afforded to Gentiles who draw near to God. God Himself invites foreigners who keep the Sabbath to His house of prayer for all peoples. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 2 and 3, Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to Yahweh say, Yahweh will surely separate me from his people. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 and 7. And the foreigners who join themselves to Yahweh, to minister to him, to love the name of Yahweh, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath, and does not profane it, and holds fast My covenant. These I will bring to My holy mountain, and make them joyful in My house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on My altar, for My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples." The Sabbath, the sacrificial system, the whole Torah is intended to be for all people. First, the Jew, then to the Gentile. What establishes people as God's children? Is it being in the lineage of Abraham? No. Remember, the Pharisees in John chapter 8, who were of the lineage of Abraham, claimed Abraham as their father, yet Yeshua declared them as children of the devil. Big difference. Romans chapter 9 even says, For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. What does that mean? It means that being of the physical seed of Abraham does not necessarily mean you are of his spiritual seed. It's always been this way: According to Yeshua, those who live in the faith and obedience of Abraham are his children. This idea is reiterated by James. James chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. It is both faith and obedience that are important. Because obedience to God's law, not man's, is the result and proof of our faith. It always has been. The Word is the seed. Faith in God, the Word, is the root. Obedience to His law is the fruit. Consider this from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 12 and 13. You are standing today, all of you, before Yahweh your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the sojourner who is in your camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of Yahweh your God, which Yahweh your God is making with you today that He may establish you today as His people, that He may be your God, as He promised you, and as He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob." This verse tells us that those who walk in His covenant are those who are established as His people, even the sojourner, even the Gentile. It's not because you may be from the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but rather, that you live the way that they lived in their faith and in their obedience. So those who walk in his covenant are the ones he calls his children. Consider what we see a little later in the text Deuteronomy chapter 29 verses 14 and 15. It is not with you alone that I am making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before Yahweh our God and with whoever is not here with us today, our Messiah said that he did not come to abolish the law, Matthew chapter five verses 17 through 20. Why? Because it's for all of God's people, Jew and Gentile. When Gentiles are grafted into Israel, by faith, they become part of the one body, the one holy nation of Israel, and the one law for all is the standard by which we should live our lives. That's why we are to follow the Messiah's example and obedience to the law. We are established as Yahweh's children in our faith, and it is through our obedience of faith that we prove we are His children. Again, we are established as His children by our faith, and it is through our obedience to that faith that we prove we are His children. We are to have faith in the Word of God. If the seed of the Word is truly in us, it can produce only the same fruit that was produced in Messiah Yeshua, obedience to the law. As we are taught from the beginning, like kind produces like kind. The same seed, the Word, that was in Messiah Yeshua is the same seed, the Word, that is to be in us by our faith the proof of the seed being in us is in the fruit that we produce it's never been about lineage it's always been about the faith and walk that came from that lineage galatians chapter 3 verse 7 know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of abraham ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 13 therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This in effect makes us part of Israel exactly like Ruth and Rahab. Many struggle in a correct scriptural understanding on this particular matter. So perhaps we should read it again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, Gentiles, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, commonwealth of Israel. As Peter also says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are called to come into His holy, set-apart nation. It's truly that simple. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. We are now part of the holy nation singular. Consider how this parallels. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6 And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Nothing has changed. The New Testament is only giving us what was already established in the Old Testament. As we read in Ephesians chapter 2, we were once separated from Christ and strangers to God's covenants, but now we are citizens of Israel just like Ruth and Rahab. It's like the mixed multitude of the Egyptians, alien, foreigner, and natural-born Hebrews that left Egypt, who collectively referred to themselves as Israel, the holy nation. Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. We are all one nation, one body. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So to what body is this referring? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, through the gospel. There is only one body, So there is no such thing as the church and Israel in the sense of being separate. Believing Israel is the church, or more accurately, the assembly. And the Gentiles are simply grafted into that same assembly. This is what the scriptures teach. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to Yahweh say, Yahweh will surely separate me from His people, and let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. It wasn't called the church in the Old Testament. It was called kahal, and it means assembly. In fact, the word interpreted as church in the Greek is ekklesia. It actually also means congregation or assembly. This parallels perfectly with the Old Testament. We know that the apostles considered Israel in the Old Testament as the church. Many dispensationalists have said Israel is not the church, and the church is not Israel. A lot of doctrines and eschatological theories are built upon this premise. But when one examines Scripture itself, they will be surprised to discover that Israel in the Old Testament is called the church. Stephen reveals this fact in Acts chapter 7 when he defends himself against false accusations that he rejected the law of Moses. Listen to what Stephen says when referring to Moses. Acts chapter 7, verse 38. This is the one who was in the congregation, ecclesia, in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. And here it is in the King James Version. This is he that was in the church, ecclesia, in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers, who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Stephen clearly refers to Israel in the wilderness as the church, ekklesia. Stephen was a Jewish believer. He understood the Greek customs in calling Israel the church because of using the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament Scriptures. This ancient Greek version of the Old Testament regularly uses Ecclesia to refer to Israel. There were believers in those years who relied on the Septuagint and the New Testament is filled with quotations from it. By way of the Septuagint, those in the first century were well acquainted with the fact that true Israel was the church in Old Testament times, and this concept never changed in the New Testament writings. It wouldn't be until hundreds of years later that the theological interpretive framework of the dividing the church and Israel would be invented and taught. Even though it is contrary to the teaching of the scriptures, it spread and became known as dispensationalism. If believers today would grasp hold of this and see that there is no difference between the Old Testament and New Testament terminology, then we would truly understand that we are part of Israel. Maybe not by way of blood lineage, but definitely by way of being grafted in. It must be noted that there is a distinction between physical Israel and spiritual Israel. Paul himself shows the distinction in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 23, And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in for God has the power to graft them in again. So some of Israel has been cut off because of unbelief. Are they then still Israel? Yes, but not the spiritual Israel as intended from the beginning. It's just as in the days of the first generation under Moses. Compare this in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who are those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Take note here that unbelief was the reason they were unable to enter, which was evidenced by their disobedience. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. What was the gospel or good news they heard? It was that anyone could come to the Father in faith and obedience. So what happened to them? The verse continues. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. The Father required faith even then, just as He does today. The Father is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His standards remain the same. He does not change. This same principle applies for Gentiles. Though you may have been physically born as a Gentile, if you had been born again, you are now part of Israel. You are a spiritual Israelite in the eyes of Yahweh. You are grafted into the cultivated olive tree, and you are now a citizen of the true nation of Israel. Regardless of what the culture you are in may be saying or teaching, if you are born again, you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Israel. For so long we have been taught that we are not given the same instruction as the Israelites because we are foreign Gentiles. Have you been taught this? If so, can we really continue to believe it? The real practical question is this. Now that we know that we are part of Israel, His children, and His holy nation, should we not do what Israel is commanded to practice and obey in the Word of God? This is the very foundation of who we are and needs to be understood. Remember Romans chapter 10, verse 12, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. How many of us have been taught that the Jews rejected the Messiah, and now the Lord is building His church through the Gentiles? Not only that, but that the Lord did away with the law. Now those who want to come into the kingdom do so by joining the Gentiles. But as we have seen, faith has always been the foundation. It has always been faith that establishes us as being one in the Lord. Then obedience to His Word would follow. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. The imperishable seed is not that of the lineage of Abraham, but rather of the Word. Israel has always been those who walked in His covenant in faith. So remember, we are part of Israel, and the Father tells us that we are His treasured possession if we keep His covenant. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine take note that it doesn't say that they are treasured possession by being of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but rather by keeping His covenant. Let's read that again. Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. It's often said by some Christians that the Lord gave the law to the Israelites to prove to them that they didn't have the capacity to obey Him. Nothing could be further from the truth. Let us read the words found in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. God Himself said it is not too hard to follow. How could the law have been given to prove it was too hard to follow when God Himself said it is not too hard to follow? Think about it. How could the Father have judged His people in the Old Testament for not keeping the covenant if they never had the ability to keep it in the first place? Is that a loving God? Consider the words found just two chapters later, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Verses 45 through 47. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. They are not just idle words, yet they have become idle words in the eyes of much of the church today. They are no longer the life of the church, Ecclesia, today. The church believer today has tossed them aside, even though they were the very life of Christ himself. He is our example, not our excuse. He has grafted us in to follow his perfect example and to walk as a citizen of heaven, not the world. If you have given your life to Christ, it is our prayer that you understand that you are part of Israel, and God is calling us today to walk in the ways of His Son, to walk in the eternal covenant. Walking in the law is not your salvation, it's the evidence or fruit of your salvation. If you would like to study this more, consider the teaching The Error of Dispensationalism. We pray that this teaching has blessed you, and remember, continue to test everything. Shalom. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries,